That's right. Um, and and I don't, you know, there was no way that they knew that I was a set rep. Don't you know that the music should be solemn? This is Theo Rossi. This is Kim Coates. And this is Theory. Yeah. Well, well, well. A man who needs no introduction, Kim Coates. Yeah, that's me. And a man who needs absolutely no introduction. If you watch this show, you've heard the name thousands of times. Thousands. Thousands. Charles Murray, C. Murray. The most appropriate time for him to be on the show for a couple of reasons, and then we're going to get right into this, is one, this is the season you came on. Which we're going to talk about season six, baby. You and I, you and I have our new show out right now, number one in the world, called True Story. But that has nothing to do with this conversation. But just, just letting them know. Oh no, we can sprinkle that in. You sprinkle it in. Come on. This is all. Yeah, this is all true. But I do want to just point out, I was looking for an email that Charles sent me the other day, two days ago, yesterday, looking for an email. And it went to the first email he'd ever sent. And it's titled a short intro for the new guy on staff. Three, five, 2013. Charles oh wrote God. the cast an email oh to God. introduce himself. I have it. And I read it. <laughs> <laughs> you can still read. That's good. Say right? hello. Say hello. C-Mary. Hey, hello. 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 And hello. Kim Coates, I haven't seen you in forever. It's lovely to see you. It's so great to see you. It's what I keep working with. So yeah. You you were you were you were kind of everything to us in season six. I mean, I don't even know how how it came up. Tell us how the whole thing started because we fucking needed you on that show at that exact moment. So how did come on, man? How Um, did that happen, Charles? it, it, It all praises due to Chris. Uh, Collins, Chris Collins, Chris uh, Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he and I were on star Wars, the clone wars together. Wow. Wow. Um, and and we met, I think we rode from, um, the airport in Oakland to, uh, Lucasville because we, we had to stay up there for 10 days and he, his wife had just had a baby. That's right. And, and he was, that's in, right. He was like, yo, I'm in hot water. Um, I, you know, my wife's kind of mad at me. And I said, look, here's some suggestions on how you should deal with this. And yeah, I think he, you know, took some of them. And, and he like told me the next day, he was like, yo, thank you. That really worked. And, and then we just kind of like sat in a room together for 10 days. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I I want to say it was meant to be. Yeah. I was on the show um, because of the way it happened. It was like really weird. We finished, and that was like in maybe September or October or something like that. And I had been sitting at home because I was doing, I was, I had finished, I think I had finished uh, uh, my first movie and I financed it. So I was broke as hell. And, of course you were. And, Things never said. Things never yeah. said. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, $300,000, $200,000 coming out of my pocket and out of what I had, you know, done as a TV writer. And, um, and I was waiting to get a check. Like I called Lucasfilm and I was like, hey, can I get a, my check early? Because like, we're broke. <laughs> and I went to get my, I went to the mailbox to check, to see if it had arrived. A check had arrived. And when I walked back to my uh, computer, there was an email from Chris saying, hey, would you be interested in trying out for Sons of Anarchy? And I was like, trying out. They didn't offer it. No, no. It was, you know, writers come in to interview and. Right. To to take an interview for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say that that's just with Kurt or it's with everyone in the room. It was, it, I, I didn't know who it was going to be with. I thought it was going to be with Chris, but then it turned out to be Chris, Kurt, and Paris. Sure. And, Martin, yeah. and so uh, I had only watched like one episode, you know, because I'm friends with Michael Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was the episode where Michael Beach's cousin got killed because he was a part of. Sure. We just reviewed it not just that long ago. Yeah. yeah. And and I and it kind of made me hot because I was like, wait, the brother's just gonna let this dude kill his dude? <laughs> That's your cousin. I'm what coming in and changing fuck? that right fucking what now. What the fuck? And so I was like, all right, I don't, I don't know what the show is, you know. And so I watched like a couple of, um, I think I watched like half of the first season, and I was like, yeah. this shit is really good, you know. And it, it reminded me a lot of. Uh, a writer who's always going to be near and dear to my heart, David Milch, right? It was like David Milch on motorcycles. And so, um, um, you know, and I had heard about Kurt because I knew Glenn Mazzara. Yep, from the show. And they were, you know, he was- Shield like, guys, yeah. You know, he moves it. If, if most people move at seven on a one to 10, he's at 13. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this will be interesting. And so as I was, you know, and I had read up on it, long story short, I read up on it. I'd heard the whole Hamlet thing. Yeah. But the thing that stood out to me is that Jax and Gemma's relationship were, were less Hamlet and his mother's relationship and more James Cagney's relationship with his mother in White Heat. Wow. Wow. And so I was like, the, and I love Warner's gangster movies from the 30s and 40s. Like James Cagney's like my favorite actor. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go in and talk about the Warner Brothers version of this. And I'm sitting in the uh, sitting, waiting and talking to Katie mm-hmm. and T.I. Kurtwright. Shout out Katie Kurtwright. I love her. Right? And T.I. comes out. And I was like, T.I. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, this is weird. And uh, and then they brought me in. And as I walk in, on Kurt's wall behind him is the white heat poster. Oh, come on. Dead serious. You can't make that shit up. Dead serious. And I said to him, before we get started, I came to talk to you about white heat. And and we sat down and we talked uh, about it. And what I said to him was... You've done Hamlet. Now we're, uh, I feel like you're heading into Henry V. Mm. 
And so we talked, you know, talked about what that looked like and, you know, and they initially were bringing me in just to be on set, not to be. That's that's what I was going to get to. Did you know, and just stay right there. Did you know Paris or Kurt at all? No. Never met them? No, no. So Chris Collins throws you into this incredible ball of names. You're at the top of the ball and you go to meet Kurt. Was Chris in the room? Yep. Yeah. He was and in was the room. T.I. there reading for a role? Was he there for like one of the, like, what was he there? I have no idea. I never asked. Huh. And this is October, November before you came in the next year? No, this was, was, this was December. Okay. December yeah. now, Christmas time. Like, right. I, like you have that email. I still have Chris's email. Like, and every now and then I, I think about how uh, two things in this business that I've done in this business have changed my entire career. And one was writing a spec pilot and everybody was saying you shouldn't write spec pilots, but I did it because Sean Ryan wrote the shield that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. And meeting, uh, meeting wow. Chris, which became wow. SOA. But no, I, I didn't know any of those guys. I always thought, and we'll get to the next step on this. I was convinced you were brought in to regulate what was going on because we were at the worst of us, meaning that it was chaos in the, in the way to say it, that the show was a giant hit, right? When you came in, it was the train had left the station. The show was as big as it was going to be. And Kim season six was fucking crazy. Well, and, and and you're right. And I want to ask Charles, because basically, did, did Kurt tell you we have two seasons left? That's it. Or did he say we have one? He didn't talk about any of that. None of that. Okay, so. And how, when did, excuse me. One thing, Kim, when did Kurt leave set? Remember, he wasn't on set anymore. With end us? of season five. End of season five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. Who was the who was the writer that was sitting set? She went on to work on that Guillermo. Regina. Yes. Regina. Jack Judas before her. Yeah. So, Jack Judas, then Regina. Yeah. Initially, that's that was to be my my role. But then he was like, have him come in the writer's room so he can know the story. And then once I got in the writer's room, he was like, all right, right. You know, so um uh but no, there was no discussion of we only have two seasons left. There was no discussion of. So, not, so then who, who, who had the smarts to hire you as this in, giant influence of calm in the choppy weather that we were of Sons of Anarchy to come in and not only bring calm to the set, but to write, to direct, to you, you were never in anyone's face, Charles. You were just like the guy we knew who was there. And we were so fucking grateful. Like, who had that smarts? Was it Sutter? It was, give you, all- you know, Sutter, I guess. I, I think, you know, I'm sure they powwowed. But I know that before the end of the day, um, Chris sent me an email and went, yo, great job. He really loved you. Um, you'll hear from us soon. And then, and then wow. I think my agent called me and was like, I think you got the gig. And I was like, Oh, okay. Was David Erickson still there? Theo? No, Erickson mm-hmm. was gone. He went to do the Marco gone. Polo show. Yeah. He went to, he left to do his own thing. And then uh, at that point, a lot of people who were originally there were gone. Right. Chris wasn't there the whole time. He had gotten there late. I believe, I believe. 
I could be wrong. Chris definitely wasn't there in the beginning. I think Collins came season two. Yeah. And then, and then Paris had kind of taken over as a director of, I think six episodes or three, six, three a year, three a year, three a year. And then Kurt would always direct the 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 finale. And that's the most we'd had seen him. And, and I always said, as the show grew, we saw less and less of the writers. So I guess my question is the dynamic. You were there every day on set with us. Yes. And I want to get into what that was like, but what was the, was there like a thing where you spoke directly to Kurt or you would deal with Paris? Like, how did that work in like, was it the writer's room? And then if something was going down, like how did that check-in work? Like the thing, cause you were kind of balancing the whole thing with us and them in a way. Right. I, yeah, my, my, you know, my direct pipeline was to Sutter, but we had talked about it. You know, I, you, to answer Kim's question, I don't know if they knew what they were getting with me. No, that's right. Um, and, and I don't, you know, there was no way that they knew that I was a set rat. Like, right. like I go to my friend's sets. I'll leave my set. And like, if somebody's shooting, I'll go, I'm coming through, you know? And so someone I'll, needs some counsel. I'm coming in, <laughs> you know? And, and so I think a lot of writers, you know, they want to write and they want to, they'll, you know, they want to visit or whatever. But like my whole thing has always been, an, as, you know, from the perspective of an indie filmmaker and it's like, you're from stem to stern. Right. And so, so fucking cool. I think once Kurt and I had uh, uh, our conversation, and Paris was in there too. Let me let me let me rephrase yeah. it. Um, but I think you know they were like, we got to wait and see. We got to see how he's able to deal with these people. We got to see if they take to him. You know, I think it was a it was it was just as much a wait and see for them, you know, as it was for like you guys. Once I like walked on the set, you know, and that was one of the things that made me send that email uh, because I said to him, I said, look, I want to reach out to these folks before I show up and I don't want them to like meet me. on That's the, so smart. Charles. On the first day of the read through, you know, yeah. so smart. We were in a big us against them moment, too. Like there was a lot of, you know, this is when we were at a point where people were like counting words and people were like, you know, everybody was like worried like where they were going to fit in this right. machine that was taken off. You know, uh, a lot of people that were leaving at this moment, a lot of people, characters were dying or had died. So right. everyone was kind of like, is this my last episode? Is this my last day? So things, so it became a lot of like, uh, and that's always weird to say, right? Because it doesn't happen a lot. It hasn't really happened to me since is that it felt like producers, writers, and everybody were on one side and the cast was on the other, right? Like, and it was like, right, Kim? It was kind of like, we all got along amazingly, but it felt like there was just this like, uh, there was, there was no cohesion. Let, and then when Charles, let, let's, on, let's just like, say that oh, it, it really, yeah, it really shifted. Yeah. Just the love on the set never really went away, but it shifted. Yeah. The trust that the actors had with people in charge or FX or what's this all meaning or how's it going to end or why are the guest stars getting so much fucking great shit? What's happening to the club? That was really going on now, really going on now. But I, I'm just so interested to hear, uh, see how in the world, 
when you did come to set and you're meeting Hanum and Perlman and me and Theo and, yeah. and Maggie and, and Je- all of us, Unser, come on, bro. Share some of that. Yeah, what How, was it like when you what got What was it on? like for well, you? So and what are we on now? We're, we've done, I've done four projects with this dude, man. Yeah. With and, Theo. Yeah, you have. Yeah, and he can tell you, I love crew. Loves it. And and like I love being in 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 the midst of it. And for me, it it literally ties into when I was a kid and I used to read about making movies and making TV shows and stuff, how people would talk about it. And I was like, I want to be in the middle of that. And I didn't I I never wanted to be like I'm I'm the angriest dude on the planet, but I am like reactionary angry. Because when I'm in my happy place, you know, the sets are like Disneyland for me. So when when I got the chance to do it, I always go in as a fan, right? Yeah, and, it, and it and it throws a, like a couple of shows that I've been on. When I, at some point, a showrunner will will has turned to me and go and gone, wow. Like everybody knows you. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you should come down here sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have to be angry all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. really fucking cool down you here. You can enjoy you know, it. You yeah. get to you get to see what you used to like watch on television with such exuberance. Yeah, how about that? You know, you get to see it in minutiae. Come down. You know, and so then they would they would. You know, I'd walk through the set doors or walk on location with a showrunner and like everybody would go, Charles, what's happening? And I would know people's names. You know, I tried to learn everybody's names and shit like that. And then they'd look at the showrunner like, oh, you brought a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when they when they gave me the lay of the land, I didn't put any positive or negative on it. I just knew this is what I was walking into. And and your experience might not be my experience. And I'm going to, I got to, you know, I got to make myself available to these guys and I got to hold down your narrative and what you're trying to do. And so, it, you know, if there's, if there's one thing I do, I believe I just tell... I tell the truth about what the situation is when we're in it. Can I change this line? Nah, not really, because it means this, 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 and this. Or he really, you know, wants this to carry into, and you know, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not, this is not a slight, but I feel like I'm not precious about anything because I take what Alfred Hitchcock said to heart. And he said, the reason that I sit my chair right up under the camera is because I'm the first audience. And sometimes when you're trying to be the first audience, it means you gotta be surprised. And if you've you've written and rewritten and rewritten scenes, and you know how they go if you're just looking for how the scene on page goes as opposed to seeing what's happening. Yeah, how about that? In front of you, you you can miss on some, miss out on some things. But damn right. 
I'm also a really good soldier when there's another general. And so his thing was, these are the words. And so I don't think I ever came to you, any of you with like, yo, you're not doing what's on paper. These are the words. They come from on high. I don't think I ever treated any of you like that. And so I think from that alone, and you, and you know, and, and and I don't think you ever felt like I was under pressure. So I think that took the pressure off of me being around. And you know, and it didn't make it seem like he's the rat. It was no, like no, it never felt no, like that. No, but you just touched on something. You just touched on something that that for anybody who's a writer or an artist or a collaborator in any way, the reason we would go to you is because sometimes even if you kind of knew the answer, you just wanted to hear it, like maybe the explanation or you would go, Hey, am I, I'm doing this, but like, it doesn't really make sense to me. And you would explain. And then there's others and not just sons, every other project, there's others who go, just do it. And you go, right. I know, but like, it doesn't make sense. And it's this, and they go, just do it. And you go, Oh, okay. I see. I see what this is. And now, and now we're at odds. Right. right. And, and, we were getting to that place before you came in where it was like, you got to do this and this is just do it. And if you don't, now we have a problem. And there were certain people that couldn't deal with that. Right. right? Which we know that couldn't really deal with any type of authority being put in their face. And there were certain ones that could be more malleable. You know, it's probably why Kim and I could always do press because we can, no matter what was going on, we're going to say how incredible this experience was of what, that we were on a giant hit show and other people would go, I'm not going to talk about the show if I'm not getting written for and I'm not. And they, and you see the other thing, which we've talked about with other people. And I think that having someone in there, I love Regina. Regina went to go do this show. Strange. Went due to strain up in Toronto. Erickson was in for a minute, right? Jack LaJudas is the jam. I love Jack, you know, but We were definitely getting to that place. And and like we said before we started recording, there is no books that tell people how to deal with success. There is no books to tell you how to deal with your emotional place when success comes. And when you deal with success as a group with 15, 20 different personalities, especially on the scale we were dealing with, when you came is when the people were waiting outside the, the stage. There was hundreds of people waiting to take pictures. We shoot on location. There's hundreds of people watching us film. That shit was crazy. That was that was shit was crazy. I, but, right, ahead, Kim? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to, and I want to say, Theo and I, just two shows ago, I brought you up, Charles, and I said, I remember I remember going to you with an issue I had in the script with Tig and Jax, where um, Mark's, I go to that warehouse, and Mark's is waiting for me at the end of the night, and I'm going, what the fuck, what the fuck? And the next show, you see me knocking on Jax's door, and I remember reading that, and I, and I went, Wait a minute. So I went to you, Charles, and I said, no one's explained. Like, did did Marx tell me stuff? Did he not tell me stuff? Tig looks very surprised. And at the end of the conversation in the kitchen, I said to Jax, are we OK? Are we OK? Like, and, I, and I went to you because Sutter, you know, I, and, and you said, trust me, it's it's going to all come together in a few shows. But you need to just play the realism of what just happened. What Marx has actually told you, not a lot, not a lot. You're just telling Jax with what Marx just told you. And we as the audience will see what Jax did or didn't say to Marx and it'll play out. So just play 
the moment if you can. And I went, oh, okay, cool. Because right. it's like that dog thing before you came on, Charles, the, the misty dog with me and Kozik. Mm-hmm. That was a girl thing. But mm-hmm. Sutter never one time, unfortunately, told me or Kenny Johnson what that was about. Was it my sister? Was it a girlfriend? Was it? So when we found out it was a dog, I mean, it was beautiful. Right. But what I would have done with that seven mm-hmm. shows earlier, knowing it was a German shepherd, it would have been a whole different nuance of internal work that TIG would have been able to bring. So right. you being on set was finally, hey, Theo, like a guy, the guy that we yeah. could go to with issues and we'd get answers, which was just great. And when I didn't have them, I told you, I was like, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, anyway, go ahead, Theo. I'm sorry. No, I, no, 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 no. I was going to say, I mean, and at that point, you because you directed an episode in season six, right? Seven. 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 You direct an episode. So it's in six. It wasn't even talked about, right? This just came no. later as it graduated into it, right? Yeah. Which we'll get to in a minute. So ultimately, at this point, are you, you're writing on episodes as well? Yes. Plain attention. Plain attention. Yeah. <laughs> We got that wrong. Now, here's here's point. point what did you say, Kim? Point no, I, I thought Charles directed them all, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I thought Murray was basically directing the whole fucking thing when he came on. So it's funny to say, see, Murray just goes, oh, no, just in seven. I, I thought you directed at least three and six. Like, me too. Wow. No, I was told, stay away from the actors. And I was yeah, like, and I said, I remember that. Tell them to stay away from me. Yeah, no, we wouldn't do it. Charlie we were running to you. We wouldn't do it. We I remember someone it. told us to do that, and we went, "No, no, fuck that." Someone said, "Don't ask him. The writer's right over there." Or just ask this person. We went, "Nope, no." Yeah, <laughs> I'm going no. to Charles. I be, um, no, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't direct until season seven, uh, but you know. I, like I said, you know, being on set every day. And and listen, I, I, I'll say this much. Um, I don't think any of our ongoing friendships, relationships, how it was on the set would have happened. Charlie signed off on me very quickly. Good. Like you could tell that he and I were establishing something where he was at ease. And I Good. think everybody else kind of felt like, well, you know, like if Charlie's taken to him, you know, and then it just kind of, it rolled out. But you, you, if you want to talk about my days on set. Yeah, we do. My yeah. first day, very first day, was my trial by fire <laughs> because a patch didn't end up on a certain person's cut. Oh, oh, the OP patch. Yeah, I don't remember that. You don't remember the big and argument over the OP. No, patch? what happened? Oh, I uh, somebody. Oh was... fuck! I do remember that now. Yeah. Holy shit! Somebody did not understand why he was left off of no. getting the patches. Oh, that's right. And was that was a fire that had to be put out, Charles? As Fuck yeah. and came on the set at 6 40 a.m. What the fuck? <laughs> and then I'm sitting there, uh, they're talking to Paris, like just can somebody just explain this shit? Ba-ba. 
and and and, and Paris like went well, and then kind of maybe took a space too long, and that person <laughs> like went fuck it and took off, right? And I sat there for a second and looked and looked, and I went, you know, I I got the answer to this, and I went, let me go talk to him, and and they were like, go ahead, and I went and found that person and said. Think about this. Think about where we were. You know, Theo will tell you because I just directed him in something. The one thing that I do with actors is I go, this scene is at this stage of the script. Here's where you came from. Yeah. Here's where you're going. Because I think directors because you know it's so harried and they're moving in and out and, and you know and writers are so concerned about their particular episodes and we shoot out of order all so the time disparately that sometimes the questions aren't about the you know like they like it's like um it's like a, a chiropractic therapy you'll go my back is hurting right here and your and your chiropractor will go. Let me adjust your leg. Yeah, it's because of your knee, right? And yeah. so I think I think about it in that way. It's like you might be frustrated about this scene, but you're actually frustrated because you can't. Where am I emotionally? Not just the scene before, three scenes before. So I went to the person, and I said. Remember this from last season. Remember, this is your relationship. You're in because there's a little bit of hatred towards you, but he's not going to boot you. You showed your loyalty to X. Now Y is in charge. You have to earn that patch. And and literally, it went like this. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Got it. And went to uh, the amazing Kelly Jones and said, did you talk to this actor about this? What'd she say? And she said, nope, got busy, thought Kirk was going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then actor, costume, got together, had a conversation, and fire was put out. (laughs) <laughs> I, I that, fucking remember it now, man. That, yeah, that I mean, really me. And that was your first day. I think that that brings up an interesting point. My first Kevin. morning. Your first morning. <laughs> your first few hours. Coffee wasn't even there yet. Crafty takes a minute to put the coffee out. Is, you know, <laughs> Kim, you brought up something about the dog, too, in that in that season. That was season, what, five with Kenny? Season uh, no, it was season three or f- three, season actually, three. when you guys were in Ireland, me and Kenny stayed back behind in Charming. See, I think that there's there was something that, again, was Suns really was like its own world when you think about it compared to anything else I've ever done. Is I There are times where I do want to know what's coming because you might play something different and then it's also times where you don't want to know what's coming because it kind of you it makes you live in the moment of knowing that this isn't going to be the outcome like a film where with tv and i remember with sons up until 
maybe the whole thing, Kim, and maybe you can tell me different and both of you can tell me different is I really never knew what was going to happen. Right. And, and, and unless, until you really read it, sometimes you didn't know, you didn't even know really the big arc of it. You were just like living in the moment. So I think that that fed the performances better. And I don't know if, like you said before, if you did know it was a dog, would you have played it different? And yes, but would it have been better? Right. So that, that is so fucking true. I'm just talking as a complete uh, internal actor who I don't know if it's better or as good or it didn't matter. But to find out on the day it was the dog when I've had five scenes talking about this girl, I, I just I find as an actor, a fascinating what would have I done had I known what I made? I don't know what I made, like a little sound. Cam, I, I, Cam, Cam, Charles, you know what I'm talking about. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. Yeah. He's lying. He's lying. Yeah. Lying through my teeth. All right. No, not you. Me. <laughs> Yo, I listen when when there's a role set. I go. I can't answer every call at Theo because he 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 he's tricked me enough early on. Oh, hey, he tells me about the conversations with you, Charles, and the emails. I want to know. Never let you sleep. No, I want to <laughs> know. I want to know everything. I'm just saying, is it better or worse? Wow. No, I, well, you can't determine that. It's you can't but, determine that. Here's the thing. This is this this is why I I I never thought that I was crossing boundaries. I only answered questions that people had. I never like went. Oh, and just so you you know, remember this. And da, da, da. I never did that to anybody. But nope. I also knew with each actor, information needed to needed to get to them in different ways because we all have our own so, who we are. Th- this is so awesome. Like, can you remember the 10 leads and the incredible guest stars that we had, the differences from mm-hmm. all of us, Charles, like, did you feel it innately and palpably? Did yeah. you like, 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 you know, any conversation I had with, with DL never really had to be about the character, right? Every conversation I had with Booney was about other characters and where he fit in. Wow. Every conversation with with uh, 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 um, you, Kim, was pretty succinct. It was like, so where are we? Where are we going? Right. Every conversation with Theo was about every goddamn thing <laughs> <laughs> sprinkled with, you know, it would be like, Where'd you get those socks? And he's like, oh, they're sending them to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, you know, I think your character's doing this, da, da, da. And then we go back to whatever, you know, I, Beach and I were just friends, you know, so, it, and, and you know, and like Beach is another guy who's like you, he comes when he has a question. Yeah. I don't need you to color my performance. I don't need you to just answer the question, you know? And so, and, and I didn't work that much with Ron. Um, you know, how did, he, how did you how did you feel him and Charlie were Charles? Like, how did you feel the hate that they had as characters and stuff and on the show? Did did that you know read to you? Uh, well, you know, if you remember, he was going in the jail when I was coming in, so they Correct. they didn't really interact until the uh, the breakout. And I think mm-hmm. wasn't that in season seven? I think that was in season seven when they broke Six. him out of it was. Yeah, he so. he doesn't make. Oh, he, he doesn't, doesn't make it. Yeah, 
So, but but that whole time, they never interacted. Right. So I never saw. Right. Got you. You know, uh, you know, Katie. It was always conversational. You know, it was it was like coffee clatch. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, Katie spoke her spoke her mind to the directors. And so um, uh, there was there was never any I'm not getting any information from these people because she would go, no, 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 you know. And then uh, uh, in dealing, uh, dealing with Dayton, Dayton, again, was like you. It was like, I just need to know what's happening. And then you're an asshole. And then he'd walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Thea, wasn't David Milch and Dayton, the big Western thing? Yeah. Deadwood. Deadwood. Deadwood, Right. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, did you, what did Jimmy, cause Jimmy was super quiet Smith. Jimmy was super quiet. Uh, uh, and, and, and would uh, listen, you know, I've been a Jimmy Smith's fan since running scared. The best. Uh, Yeah. Right. Maybe let me see if running scared came after LA law, then it's a toss. It's right around the same time. Right. Yeah. And the first day I saw him, I called him Mr. President because of the television. Because, you know, that, and, that, and the interesting thing about that, the West wing season with him is that the guy who helped, I think the guy who helped with the speeches on West wing went on to help Obama's Unbelievable. campaign. Oh, Unbelievable! If you watch West Wing. If you watch that season now, it it reads of Obama's unbelievable ascendancy. Beautiful, but you know, like I love, 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 adore Jimmy Smith. Me too. And 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 you know, yeah, he was quiet. He figured his shit out. And every now and then, he kind of like go, "What? What do you think this line means?" or whatever. And then he'd go on and do his thing. Um, but I, but the beauty of it was. I looked at it like it all of you guys were a house orchestra and every week you had different conductors. And sometimes you guys would be su- surprised by the conductors. Sometimes you lift the conductors up, but you always knew where y- you all had to be at each moment in time because the relationships which I don't think what you guys saw because you were so in it, the relationships sort of in the, in the show sort of follow the relationships as they were with you as teammates, so to speak. 100%. And, and then when it would throw you guys in a different direction, it was interesting to see how you would adjust swimming against the stream because you all looked out for each other. That is so fucking true, man. Always. Always. So no matter true. where we were with where we were as people, we were always had each other's back, like no matter yeah. what. But yeah. that so that I have two questions because we've never had someone who was in the writer's room and, and doing that. Did you guys know like like if we're in the middle of a season, you know exactly how the season's gonna end before we even start filming episode one? We have a direction. We you know, it's because Again, every time you every time you start a new episode, you can like you can say, hey, we're going to do X because we're doing this in in episode one. But if the episode is hitting a time limit and that that script, that episode, that scene has to go, 
then it you can't follow that narrative anymore. Or if that scene gets cut down and some information gets skipped, that keeps changing everything <clears throat> that follows. But the overalls there, the big, the big ending, the overall, the, we're gonna get there. The big, yes, the, the big idea is that you're going to get there. You know, uh, the big truth is you're always at the whim of the muses of the show. Somebody suddenly decides not to get along, can't write that. Somebody decides, somebody gets sick, can't write that. Someone can't deliver it, can't, you know, it's not within their emotional uh, wheelhouse, can't take it in that direction. Can't continue it, can't continue You know, so we have an idea, we always had an idea, and you know, uh, the great thing was Kurt would come in with like a plan, for sure. At the you know from top to bottom, but then you you start you have to feel it out with each episode you know and and I think a lot of the times that you guys are um whatever you think is problematic with the episodes as I've listened to the show is sometimes you you still try to push a narrative forward and and then you realize a couple of episodes down or in the writing room before it gets to you. It's like, mm, we're kind of having to shove this in as opposed to it just being there. Yeah, because we would air while we were still writing and filming. But obviously. Oh, no, 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 true. But we were seven episodes ahead writing wise. Correct. But by, by the time you started filming one, five, four or five scripts were maybe written. Two extra were broken. 100%. So, so now you got to go back and adjust after you watch a cut. Amazing. Right? <laughs> a lot of, sometimes a lot you're of able to, spinning. Exactly. And sometimes you're able to be ahead of it, but let's say you shoot one, it's being cut, you've written two, it's being shot. By the time you get to episode four, you realize something in two didn't work. And you can't go back and fix it because that cut's been made. But now we have to adjust it in episode four. And you remember those times, Charles, when season six, when you when you came in, we were given the final episode that we were going to film the 13th show. Literally the night before we were actually going to set at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's that's the craziness of sure. From when we started in May filming you guys had like you said four scripts already written two broken like we're we're ahead of the game and we'll yeah. see how it plays out and gets cut in this and that and the other but theo you're right when we would open on september the 8th on a tuesday night and we go to chinese man and there'd be fourteen thousand freaking people there they'd shut the streets off and they'd see that first show that we filmed back in may we were still filming the ninth episode mm-hmm. so we had 9 10 11 12 and 13 to go before, but they kept showing the shows now. So it got weird for us. That's why I probably feel we didn't watch a lot of the shows for me anyway. Yeah, so I was I still filming. I was still filming. I didn't want to work. Does it work on the opposite too? Like I always think like if you see something you didn't expect, like let's say someone gives a performance or does something, you go, God damn, like beach is a great example, right? I don't know what beach's role was going to be. And it became huge, right? Because Mike is 
one of the best actors, one of the he, best he, people. He became a huge presence on that show. Right. He became a huge presence. And that could have easily just been somewhere kind of dips away, right? Like where it's like, oh, okay, cool. That was good. Grim bastards are here. But then they become this giant part. Same thing happened with Ray, you know, that we were talking about the other day. And and I think Mo Mo was gone relatively quickly. Mo got another gig. He had to go. Mo got another gig. Yeah, because yeah. they wouldn't lock people up. That's but right. Be- but Beach was there at the end, right? Like Vargas was there at yeah. the end. Like people who you right. didn't really think might be there. I think they become sudden- sons. I mean, we'll get there when we get there, but we patched them in, I think. Right? I know. So, uh, so does that happen too on the flip side? Yeah. I, well, <clears throat> look, man. Um, considering the juggling that you have to do. Think about this, right? Um, Rawhide, Clint Eastwood didn't have another show, didn't have to go somewhere. If he just was broke because they weren't shooting episodes, he was just broke. You know, <laughs> once once television broke It's pretty open, funny to think of Clint Eastwood broke, but I'm sure it did happen. He, he, yeah. Oh, trust me. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Speaking of Clint Eastwood, you know he and Burt Lancaster were stunt guys together. Yeah, they were. Right? Not Burt Lancaster, Burt Reynolds. No. Burt yeah. Reynolds. Yeah, stunt guys Reynolds, together. Reynolds, that's right. And both of them were broke as fuck. <laughs> you know, but under that contract system, you know, uh, you could say, hey, we know this person's only going to do four episodes, but they're either under contract or they're in the hinterlands. When television broke open, and, and but the 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 budgets of TV episodes kept increasing, that it, it became hard to hold on to people. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's that's why you know, like they kind of want you to, as a showrunner or as a uh, uh, head writer, they want you to kind of like dig in and and they make you go, how many episodes is this person going to be in? Yeah. And you go seven. <laughs> yeah. And then they're in 13. And so now you're having to cut a set. You know, it's like you got to shoot in the back uh, of, of your house yeah. it's because you can't afford the set now because you had to keep that person <laughs> an extra four episodes. But the logistics, if you if because we it's it's a it's a crazy dance because we are in it and because the audience isn't nobody understands the mechanics of making one episode of a show. No, they don't. And it is it is literally like saying uh, you've been invited, you're a juggler and someone says, hey, the crown prince wants to see you juggle and we're going to pay you a hundred million dollars. And you go, yes. And then you show up and there's a sword, an elephant and five <laughs> shotguns. This is what you have to juggle. Juggle now. <laughs> you know, that's great. And it's and it's just it's so crazy because you're right. It does change the complexity of the show. Hell, if, even if you don't like a show and the show holds together. There's been so much juggling and so much dancing done just to do that. It's amazing that you get to good shows. And and not to, to it's a sidebar inside of a sidebar is like who's making those decisions to the showrunner where they go hey that guy's only on a seven of thirteen or that person's only a guest star they they might have a new show and we can only use them for this or hey the this studio, one- the studio and network are asking you that mm. to keep people- because they have to make the deals yeah, right the deals. 
And 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 so Wendy O'Brien was constantly calling. She was constantly calling Wendy. Good old Wendy, man. She Wendy's was amazing. On it. Yeah. Nice. You know, but 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 you as the showrunner, it's like you you know the biggest problem of most pilots? Mm-mm. You build a set. You know the biggest problem with building a set in the pilot? It's probably the set you will use least Isn't in the show. Funny? No, isn't that funny? That's where all the money goes. That's where all the money goes. Isn't that funny? But you have to make the decision right then and there, right? So that's why writers actually got, uh, uh, were relieved when people started picking up series. Like, it's just a series order. Because then you can stop. That's more now. Exactly. Exactly. That's like within the last four or five years. Right. In, in the BBC, I think it was like they they're only picking up a show if they pick up the show. Right. There's right? no more like one and then we'll figure it. No, no. They're doing exactly. 10. They're doing 12. They're doing. All right. right. Now, Charles, we've just blown by. I don't. Yeah. I don't this, but I have to. You too. Oh, I have to say one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Loved you in Bad Blood. Oh, thanks. Me yeah. too. Got to produce that and star in it and got Anthony LaPaglia and Paul Servino. We won all those. It's not about awards, but Jesus, yeah. beautiful two seasons. How many Thanks. episodes was that, Kim? Each fourteen, episode? fourteen. Yeah. So I was just gonna, and I'm sorry, I have to ask this question because that was fourteen episodes at about an hour, right? Yeah. Okay. That's I'm answering like you, like I was there. <laughs> so- yeah. Yeah. Charles, see, so that's done, right? Like thirteen episodes an hour. Those are done, right? We're not. Those are gone, probably. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. That that could still happen. Because it seems like everything's like eight episodes, six episodes, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, minutes. remember when, when 13 started becoming the norm, people were saying 22 were done. Right, right. Mm. So I, I need to just finish what I was saying, Theo, and that is you two. I've, I've watched four of True Story now, four of the seven. Couldn't put it down. And then Billy Fickner turned 107 last night. Yeah. So I had to go to his birthday party, 65, actually. One of my but, favorite actors. You know, and William. His hair age. Fucking love you. His hair is looking better all the time. <laughs> anyway, Charles, Theo, true story. Yeah. Like, it, it's got me. I'm so worried about Gene now. I'm yeah. so worried about everything that's gone down. And, and when, 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 um, when he says, or, or, uh, Kevin says, had he just gone to the cops when they found her in the bed, I'm not spoiler alert here. If you haven't watched the show, you will. It's re- early on. When that person's in the bed, had he just gone to the cops, everything would have been better, but we wouldn't have had the riveting story that we have. Woody would have went straight to the police. None of this would have ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So how was that, Charles, working with my boy? He's never been better. I don't know what, I mean, Theo, you, you're seamless. I. You're so fucking good, bro. Uh, how was that? Billy Zane, everybody. Right. So let's talk about our friend. Yeah. You're not here right now. Theo. <laughs> I'm never here. I don't exist. No, nope, you're not there. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what uh, the, the uh, I had a text exchange and I sent half of it to Theo with uh, one of the writers on the show. Uh, he said, Theo's going to get a lot of work. And I said, Theo already has a lot of work. People aren't giving Theo the bandwidth that he needs to be the star that he is. Theo reminds me of young Dustin Hoffman, young Al Pacino. 
during a time when you could look like those guys, be so technically proficient and still get roles that were interesting and leads. Yeah. People don't know what they're missing out with this fool. Yeah. Um, Now, having said that, he's going to worry you to death. (laughs) He's going to call you 640 times and go, yeah, but, and when he, yeah, but you, you're stuck. (laughs) When, when, uh, when, when we first started bonding on sons, um, let me, let me, let me step outside of it for a second. I have a, a friend who is absolutely fucking amazing as an actor. His look, he's super handsome. Right. If you remember, Paul Newman used to say, I can't wait till I get old so people will be over this shit known as my face kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've worked with him. He's been in he's been in one of my movies. Uh, I've seen him work. And, uh, you know, he he's a light skinned black guy. Right. And when they choose the the uh, meatier, heavier roles, the town has a tendency to go toward darker black guys, people of my complexion, because, you know, we're the real bad guys kind of thing. And this guy misses out on a lot because light-skinned cats get certain roles, right? It's a rarity when you see Shamar in SWAT or something like that. And so my friend went off to do uh, a guest role on a show and I saw him in, and I saw him in it and I had an epiphany, like my fucking brain after 20 plus years in this business went <clears throat> because I thought if this was the only thing that I saw him in, I would never think that he had the range that he had. Wow. Because those, those scripts sometimes don't, you don't, they don't write up to, Hey, we got Kim Coates coming in. Right. If I don't know who Kim Coates is, like you could be as good as you are, but if I don't know who Kim Coates is, I'm not thinking like, oh, you know what? I need to adjust this. I need to right. level up. It fucking right. level up. Yeah. And so in watching that, I, you know, I reached out to him and I told him, I said, listen, man, you just helped me understand a how many great actors there probably are out there. Yeah. And B television is so damaging to them because boom, I saw you in this role and this is who you are. Right. Like we're dealing with that now. Cause I read, I read his threads and it's like when he was shades, Oh man, you need to get back to being juice. Yeah. When he was, when he, now he's in this. Yeah. But I, it ain't you, it's not, a, you're not shades. And it's like, He's all of them, goddamn. It's like Kim. It's like what I always tell Kim with bad guys. It's like he has to. What Kim has to do with bad guys is make them four dimensional. Yeah, that was the fucking greatest bad guy ever. And it's like you know he also kicks ass as comedy. You know he also does this, and they don't. They just. You've also played fathers. You've also done kid movies, but it's like, but the bad guys. But right. So listen, I'll put it to you like this. 
Um, Kim and Tommy and Boone and you, if you watch Preston Sturgis movies, Mm, the reason he kept bringing those people back who were kind of like the three or four scene characters, the three or four scene, five or six scene characters is because they were absolutely fucking phenomenal. And they could go so, from roll to roll to roll, but he knew he could depend on them because the the depth of their ability was astounding. Paul Thomas does the same thing. Well, exactly. Well, and and Char- Charles, if I may, I mean, I just finished a HBO four and a half month White House Plumbers. David Mandel, I played. A, we all played real guys. Woody mm-hmm. Harrelson, Justin Theroux, me, great. Yul Vasquez, great cast. And Toby Haas, but I'm not in it that much i'm in all five episodes it's it's gonna be epic it's nixon it's watergate so glad i said yes but david mandel said something about me in the press he said when this guy when it was time to cast frank sturgis number 10 on the call sheet he said i wanted kim because along with the menace that frank sturgis was in real life we needed humor Mm-hmm. And when he said the humor thing with the menace thing about me and just a little bit of a, a clip, it just made me feel so good because as Theo just said, the stuff that, and you're, Charles, you're saying it, the character actors, when you get to be on, say, A Bad Blood for Me, which produced, starred in my show, thank you for that effort in getting Kim to be number one on the call sheet. In that's what I'm that- saying. That's right? exactly what I'm saying. Kind of cool. But where the that's what I'm saying. The town misses out on understanding that you're getting cream from mm. these people. Mm. And you're only we we gotta get back to the days of the 70s where in the 70s, Kim, you would have had a slew of movies that you were starring. Yeah, I think right? so. True. Because fucking face, you back <laughs> in this. Because in this day and age, Bruce Dern was going to be have your career right. as, that we're talking about. Right. Don Voigt was only going to have this career that we're talking about. And and it and and I think that what's crazy is if you line up, if you take a scene with Juice, right, and you put it next to a scene with Shades. And then you put it next to a scene with Gene. And then you put it next to a scene from Vault. And you put it next to a scene from our movie that's that's coming out next year. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. You're going to say, this motherfucker should be the lead in a lot of shit. Right? We don't look look good enough. (laughs) No, it's not. And yet, and yet, and yet. Here's the thing. It's not that you don't look good enough because you're handsome as fuck. (laughs) You look different. Yeah. yeah. Charles, you're so fucking smart, bro. I mean, here I am with Billy Fickner last night at his 65th birthday. It's just him and me left having a smoke. Overlook. We've had juggernaut careers. We're so thankful for our careers. And yet you still go back to the times. What if? Wait yeah. a minute. Like yep. I was supposed to be in Batman with Tommy Lee Jones and Tommy Lee read the part that I was supposed to be in with Joel Schumacher. It was all set, but Tommy Lee didn't want a sidekick. He didn't want to share anything with, it's not that he didn't know me or like me. We did the client together, but he right. didn't want to share it. Right. So what if that, I mean, you know what I mean? And we don't go back. Yeah, but, Billy, but how about, how about a bigger, what if 
What if you had gotten the same break that Tommy Lee had got? Well, you know what I'm saying? And oh, so yo, this is why I'm talking. This is why it's on my brain so hard. There's a great documentary about Boris Karloff that I just watched the other night. Yeah. And I'm going to watch it. Tonight. Everything. He did everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's called, I think it's called The Man Behind the Monster. Right. Wow. And his father, not Ethiopian, but, you know, he was dark skinned. Didn't know that from the characters he played. But here's the thing. When you go and watch the documentary, they talk about in the silent era, he kept getting cast because he was not as fair wow. as wow. the other actors. So he kept getting cast as a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And the makeup is what allowed him to become the star. Amazing. Because he did, he did not. It veered him off of the course of, well, we really love him as an actor, love him, but, right? And I think that you fall into, I mean, dude, you got curly hair. What the fuck are you talking about? Not good looking enough. You know what I'm saying? You you know, you grow your your seven o'clock and you're sexy. I've seen it. Yeah, no, I do it. But listen, but you, you said but, it this but second. We're, hey, you're not here. I'm talking to Kim. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So working with him is always a joy because he and I, we had a come to Jesus conversation about his, his technique. You remember this after I saw you in yep. at the end of season two yep. on Cage? Yep. And I said, dude, you got to get out of your scene. own way. And it was the scene at the end in the bar. Because you're, you're a fucking fantastic actor. And every time you and I work together, I'm just going to tell you, get out of your own way. Get out and, of your own way. And thank you for saying that. Because every and, time, oh, sorry, go ahead, Charles. No, and I was just going to say, and, and what he did with Gene, I, I'll give you this one thing that I think sums up how I feel about the student. Uh, the children's hospital scene where yeah. where where yeah. Kevin's talking to the kid and yeah. and and, the, and he's like, "Hey man, I'm gonna you're gonna go out on tour with me, blah blah blah." And then he walks out, and Gene is standing there. You know, hey, can we just you know blah blah yeah. blah? And he with turns the children's around. sign above. We'll take one picture. Yeah, right. And he tears into him. Right. I'm responsible. For that scene, me and my writers and Eric all talked about this trajectory. And, and my writers and I laid this thing out. And it's like, okay, so he comes out, Gene's there, and blah, 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 yada, yada, do, do, do. And a lot of it, let me just say this, let me go backwards. A lot of Gene is from conversations that my friend Theo had with me. And we just talked about fans from an actor's perspective when yeah. you're. When you're on a show like Sons. Love it. And that's Kim and, Kim and I have had those same conversations about those that, same fans. Sure have. Yeah. And when we shot that scene, the first take, I literally felt like 
I should fuck Kevin up. <laughs> like, like, like what? he didn't have to do that dude like that. Like I stepped out of my job as a showrunner and stepped into myself as a person because of what he did with that scene. Right. And so I'm saying all that to say four, four jobs in together. I always look toward five, six, seven, eight, nine. Because his level uh, as an actor is pretty fucking stupendous. Now you can come back in the room. No, listen, thank you. And I'm terrible with stuff like that. But thank you. I will just say this, that there's one thing Kim and I talked through that entire process of that show. And to get out of your own way is the greatest thing. Because... A lot of times, and Kim, you and I do this all the time at roles we're discussing that we both have, and Charles, you and I probably do this just as much. It's getting there. Like what I mean by getting there, it's getting to the set. It's everything before it that holds you up. Like, fuck, mm-hmm. what am I going to do about this? And what the fuck is going on with this? And this and the money, and then this with the time, and this with the and the motherfucker who's doing this. And, th- and then when you get there, if they just, like, just give me a minute. Like you remember, Kim, recently there was that movie where you were going to have to lose all the weight and go into the forest and do all this and do all that. And you were like, I I don't have the fucking time (laughs) to get there by the time they offered this to me to give them what I want to give this role. Busy at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it the way Kim needs to do it. Right. And it's like, there was, I think with, with Gene and just to, to finish out on the true story thing, I think that it was a culmination of things because I don't believe. I believe that luck and timing is more important sometimes than talent. It was the lockdown. It was the fact that I wasn't leaving the hotel. There's no one around. You're in full and you and you take advantage and you use it to make this thing a certain way. I think that it's so rare that we get that. And to get a collaboration, the fact that you're there, because the truth is, Charles, if you're not there, I can't do that. Meaning that you don't have someone that you confide in and feel completely trustworthy. Kim and I could probably count on one hand how many times in our careers that you would say, I feel safe to mm-hmm. do what I got to do. And I know cool. someone has my back. That's a rarity. It's mm-hmm. a rarity. And, and it makes everyone's job easier if you have that comfortability to be crazy, to be have the questions, to do the John Casal, where he's like, why? Why would mm-hmm. I do that? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? And it's like, if you don't have that, and then also more importantly is the time. And I think that when you go back to a TV show, which is why we're all sitting here on this is you're working with these characters. The orchestra thing that you said is a fantastic uh, analysis because we're working with these characters for seven years to eight years almost to build them. How can a director who comes in and does one or two episodes go, so I don't think Tig would do that. And you go, really? Right, right, right. right. Um, Well, let me tell you what happened in season one that maybe you don't remember. And then they go, oh, I didn't see that. And also you remember, Theo, when Charles came in those last two seasons, which was the top of the mountain and the end of that show, we used the same directors that that Kurt had fallen in love with from season three on. We we never had any more guest directors. The random ones. We just had the regulars. You you, were the guest director, Charles Murray. (laughs) You were kind of a giant by the time they said direct by then for us anyway. Look, listen, Murray, you're fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm just so proud of you as a man and proud of you as your, for your career 
And I just, I can't be happier when Theo brings you up to me. I just have nothing but massive respect. I know I'm going to work with you again. I, yes, you are. I'm so proud of you, bro. And any, everything you've done. And for you to share with Theo and I, the first day, the first year, the two years that you were, you were instrumental and paramount for the success of those final two seasons, which had come as Theo, you said so beautifully, we were at a real fucking turning point right, in that Scott. show. We were absolutely at wit's end with what are we going to do now with what just happened? And you came in and helped save the day with your talent. And I said it before, Theo, an hour and a half ago now. I can't fucking believe this. You you were there, Charles, but we didn't, you weren't there. You were so in the wood of the set, in front of our face, back behind the camera, just a calm, giant presence of talent that none of us forgot. And congratulations, uh, Murray, because we fucking loved you. And you just. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I would come home on Tuesdays, I would watch the show. Yeah. Not to, oh, did we do this right? Did we do this wrong or whatever? But just as a fan, right? And, and, and the way you guys embraced me, you know, um, my, literally my favorite experience on a TV show from top to bottom. Uh, between this uh, and Third Watch. Wow. You know, um, and that's 20 years in the business. But, um, and, and, and the crazy thing is, I don't know what it would have been like if I had come in earlier, but those two years where Kurt was as a person, I actually got treated with, I actually got treated in, in a in a super fucking amazing way as a collaborator here, that here. doesn't really happen you know it's like it's you know actors feel like they're put up on everybody's put up on in the, in the, on these fucking things and and you know and and Chris Collins in the you know cuz he was running the room it was i felt freer so. on that show than I did on a lot of shows, like I said, other than Ed Bernero and, and how he treated me on, on third watch. And then Jeffrey Bell, uh, who I worked with twice on daybreak and V, but that's 20 years. Right. I mean, other times I'm sitting there going, I'm not this fucking showrunner out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Or I need to go work at fucking Costco and and because they got great muffins and they got a head benefits, you know, Uh, but those two years uh, are super important and super amazing in terms of how I see what can be. That's the thing that's amazing about this business is that you can get you can get with a person. And you can go, I now have a beacon as to what it should be like. Right. And then you get with other people and you go, You're, you ain't shit because I've seen the beacon. Yeah. I've seen what it should be like. Yeah. Wow. That's so right. I always wanted to be the person that people could say, 
it can be like this. That's great, man. George Lucas, too. Let me throw George Lucas in there. Because <laughs> that time on Clone Wars and George and Dave Filoni, this was the thing. This was the crazy thing. Everybody says what they say about Kurt. Kurt gave me more free reign than, than the people who, who claim to have been in my corner a lot of times. Everybody says what they say about George Lucas. I was sitting three seats away from a man who's worth eight billion plus and he and his rooms, you were dying to get back to them. Hmm. So these two disparate people provided me with some of the best opportunities and best uh, best uh protected spaces that I've had. And because of Kurt, I got to meet you guys and I still stay in touch with you, Theo, Charlie. Dayton. Okay. Dayton, you know, Dayton. You know, you gotta call Dayton. I got yeah, I will because he's gonna well, be mad at me after Charles, Charles Murray, come on. Theo, wrap this up. I mean I love you guys. Um I hope you so enjoy much the rest of your day. This was a long time coming. I hope everybody enjoyed this and uh I mean this is it. This is Happy holidays. Murray, we love you, man. I can't love thank you. Back. Love you guys. Love you guys. Man. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know the deal. Theory Pod, hashtag Theory Pod, capital T-H-E-O, small R-Y, capital P-O-D. If we're talking Reaper Reviews, it's the hashtag Reaper Reviews with the double R. Go everywhere where the where this podcast is available and go subscribe and follow Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever. And uh, and then if you want to see the videos, go on to YouTube and subscribe to the page. We got some cool stuff coming. Um, like I always say, this life goes by in a blink. So stay up, stay awake, keep being the example, um, and let's keep making a difference. All right? All right. Hey, yo, shout out to my crew, the theory team, the team. Okay. Starting with my incredible editor, Caroline Kawash, to the incredible design skills of Cesar Arvello, to the other designer slash web slash everything, Justin Tordella. Go look them up. Go follow them. Go thank them. They're an incredible team, and I wouldn't be even remotely able to do a second of this without them. So shout out to the entire Theory team, uh, or as we say in New York, big up. Um, incredible people, incredible humans, and I'm fortunate and proud to have them.